This is Kit Simons and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. What a weird evening that was. Still scratching my head how we lost against a side that uninspiring, to be honest. But Harry Kane is Harry Kane, and we lose again narrowly to a top six team. A decent first half led us to being sucker punched in the final minutes before the break, and we never got our mojo back. A performance as flat as the battery in Paul Tierney's microphone, and substitutions as delayed as the district line. Thank goodness I had the warm black and white Lamborghini to drive me home in. Matt Baldwin and Morgan Carlton are with me to discuss everything Fulham this week. Canes, no trains, and automobiles. I'm J Mac, and this is your Full and Focus podcast. Fulham. Right, folks, opening thoughts on, to be honest, a, a really weird game. Morgs, I'll go to you first, and then Baldo. Morgs, go. I, I mean, those first 40 minutes of that match, we were brilliant. I think it's some of the best football we played all season. Uh, against the Spurs team, who were every bit as inspiring as you know, people, yeah, many Spurs fans have said they were, and the fact that we didn't score was always going to be a bit of an issue, and always slightly worried, especially when you have someone like Kane or Son, who we'll obviously get to. Um, the fact that we couldn't get the ball in the net was just that big uh, cloud hanging over us, and when Kane scored, it was just like, oh, that feels a bit, you know, old school Fulham. And yeah. the second half, as you said, we were just flat. You know, it just uh, there was nothing. And I think it's because the way Spurs play, they are just there to soak up pressure, break the game up, waste a bit of time. And when I think you're just kind of, you know, throwing mud at a wall and it's none of it sticking, you just run out of ideas in the end. And mm. unfortunately, that's what happened to us. And we just could not get going in that second half. Spurs didn't let us. In fact, you know, I guess they were quite close to scoring themselves again more than we were. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a disappointing result. It's not, you know, one of those we go home sort of, you know, say, oh, it's the season done with, et cetera, et cetera. It's just one of those nights. And Spurs came out with a game plan. They executed it in a, uh, in a way which, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be incredibly disappointed to be watching a team of that attacking talent play. But they got the three points, and that's what they need at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned that second half. I mean, the se- it's almost like we uh, had three days rest and Tottenham had eight days rest, but and for the- this time it was the other way around. Bordo, your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I'm, th- I'm not really all that disappointed, I think. I don't know if it's still the case that we're playing with house money because, you know, my expectations going into the season was still, or were, always would be, you know, just stay up. I think the point you sort of brought up, J-Mac, is we just need one season of solid, you know, one season of solid Premier League survival and then we'll be set up for next, you know, three or five years, which I kind of agree with. So there is an element of, you know, whilst we're sixth, am, am I, you know, should we, are we really punching above our weight or are we playing with house money as well? You know, we're on 31 points. We're probably safe as it is. Should we be looking towards, you know, pushing towards Europe? I'm not going to be starting that. If we're in the same position come, you know, late March, early April, then maybe I'd be more disappointed with a result like this. I mean, think, ah, we lost ground on Man United, say, for fifth place or whatever. They're not in fifth, but you get you get the point. Um, so 
A result like this against a side who are still a good side. They're not Barcelona circa 2009, but they are still a team with, with good players, you know, better players than us. So, you know, as Morgan said, it's a it's a sucker punch the way we conceded and the time we conceded. But overall, I'm just not all that... I'm not all that disappointed in the fact that we still got up against a good side and gave a good showing. It's a bit disappointing with the, with the second half and how we just seem to go flat, but... Overall, I'm not going to get too downhearted on a you know on a one nil loss on a one nil loss to Spurs. So it's not disappointing, but you are disappointed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, I'm not disappointed. Let's put it that way. No, fair enough. I mean, let's just we may as well for a change just start with the actual the only goal from Harry Kane. Um, this is obviously the dis- difference between us. Um, Morgs, your thoughts on it? I mean, I wasn't even looking. Um, just a fantastic finish. I mean, I'm trying to find fl- uh, flaws in the defence there. I mean, it's just one of those things. You could maybe say that we could close down Son a bit more for the assist, but just genuinely, you can't really stop that. And it's just one of the only bits of quality in the game. I think the only nitpicking you do with it, I can do with it, is that we didn't clear the ball in the first place. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't as if Ream was giving Kane a load of time. He just turned him in a way that Kane has the ability to do. Was it anything to do with Ream? being a poor defender in that case it's just Harry Kane is one of the best strikers in the world I mean he's not had possibly the most amazing season but then that's probably more down to the Spurs style of play than it is him he the fact he just turned and rocketed that in without you know sort of it was just so it was such a sweet hit so Mm. you just kind of have to look at that and appreciate that it's a very good player and it's a shame that 45 minutes of brilliant effort was, you know, overturned in that one second. So, yeah. you know, fair play to Kane. You know, England's best striker has been for a long time. And if anyone's going to score and it's him, you know, it wasn't like Emerson Royale popped up in the 90th minute with a shithouse header or something like that. So Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, I, was, I should have known he was going to score. I mean, luckily he was in my fantasy team anyway, but I should have known just because he obviously announced that, well, he didn't, but it had been announced that he was open to signing a new Tottenham contract. And I thought, oh, great, there you go. That, Plus, he was, well, he's after that Jimmy Greaves uh, record, And then I realised yeah. the Jimmy Greaves thing as well. And then when that happened, is, oh, of course he was going to score to match it for that game, but fuck's sake. But, but I tell you are. what, I mean, they were all over that on, the, uh, on Sky Sports. Uh, that was the only thing they talked about yeah I know it's just like yeah okay fair enough he's going to beat a record which he's going to beat quite handsomely in the end you don't need to keep going on about it it's fine Spurs fans can go on about it because that's fine and it's quite exciting but really it's just really dull God, the Spurs fans in that game. I mean, they, they just kept singing, uh, you know, Y Word Army constantly a thousand times, one after the Is other. Is that what we're calling it, the Y Word? No. Well, I can't tell. I just want to be careful, you know, obviously. But it's just <laughs> such an awful chant. It's just, it just, it was actually destroying my brain. I felt like I was turning into. I, ca- I kind of, of feel zombie, that they've um, now they've been told they can't sing it or shouldn't sing it. They've probably upped the ante a bit. And, I don't get it. Uh, I don't know what the rules know, are it's, anymore. It's I one of those chants, isn't it? It's been part of their, you know, their supportive uh, repertoire for decades probably a little bit distasteful these days or you know you know <laughs> probably every day probably is but yeah. <laughs> yes it's uh, yeah, yeah hold on you say hold on you say distasteful we're come on you whites I mean me me and Don over here in America we know that's a pretty that's a pretty traumatic <laughs> and problematic phrase to be saying in and of itself so let's let's just not, not say we're not totally right. Let, let's this. let's not get into the race conversation on a uh, light-hearted <laughs> football podcast because uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, sorry, just just a touch on the goal. I would say 
I don't want it to be, you know, because I'd be, you know, shooting someone's sainted mother here, but I do think Tim Ream probably... You might do that in the US. Yeah, I might. <laughs> um, but Tim Ream probably could have done a little bit better, just getting closer to Harry Kane, making sure he wasn't in enough space, and then even closing down the shot. I felt like he could have been a little bit. He could have done a little bit better on that point. Mm-hmm. So you know, whilst Tim Ream has been great this season, I think there are still some there are still some flaws in his game, and I think that was just one of them. Oh, uh, but- just uh, go on. I was going to say, I don't think there are flaws in his game in the sense that, you know, he's learning. I think he's just at that age where they're, you know, they're a little bit of pace. Uh, will desert him every now and then. I mean, the fact he's actually having some of the best, playing some of the best football of his career uh, is not so much that he's learning, he's just aged like a fine wine. But yeah, he's, he's still 30, slower he's than Kane. I mean, that's just... Because, yeah, he's 35, 35? Yeah, 35, yeah. So a 30-year-old Reem probably gets there, but I'm not going to hold it against him or say he should be dropping the team just because... I think 30-year-old Reem probably being on the other side of the pitch. <laughs> Well, look, the first 42 minutes, like you say, Morgan, we were both really good value, and you know, but we just weren't taking our chances. And that goal from Kane just completely knocked the stuffing out of us. And it's almost like, well, we came onto the pitch for the second half, kind of strolling on, and actually the Spurs team were sort of running on really enthusiastic. I just felt there was something wrong with our energy. I don't know if the right thing wasn't being said at half time to match that. It just, we just, a lot of things went wrong. And I'd like to start where you think was one of the main reasons that we were so flat in the second half, Border. Well, I think it's one of those cliches is that Tottenham scored right at the perfect time because it changes everyone's game plan. And you know, So the mentality was down already, basically. Yeah, yeah, mentality down, yeah, mentality down already. The fact that we were frustrated that we couldn't quite get it. And then they go and score and you think, oh, we're, not, we're probably not going to get anything from this. Uh, just because, you know, they are a very good side. They are a very good side defensively and not that entertaining. But if, you, if you've got a 1-0, if Spurs have got a 1-0 lead and you're not Manchester City with Erling Haaland, there's, and if you're a team like us, with you know Mitrovic, who you know, obviously had his problems during the game, you're probably not going to be able to come back into it. So I think that was probably it. It just it as you say, it just knocked the stuffing out of us, and we weren't able to we weren't able to come back from it. I'm not saying they just saw down tools and said, oh, let's just focus on Sunderland on Saturday because half the team probably isn't going to be playing. But there just wasn't. I just you know again watching on TV from from this side, it just felt a bit of. What more? What more can we do? It's just not our night. I felt there was a lot of wayward crossing. I think um, we've had a habit. Marcus Silva, in particular, has had trouble with teams that play three or five at the back before, and I think this was another example of it. I think the midfield battle was actually being won by Spurs. I think Hoiberg and Bentacur. Uh, uh, do I pronounce it that way? I think I do. The guy sure, from Juventus. On the- Let's do it. I mean, I thought they were very good and very effective against us. And I thought we were just relying too much of crossing balls in that wasn't really working. We didn't really have runners coming in behind him. I thought we really needed some speed in this game. And I was actually, for once, I mean, I know it's not a popular thing to say, really wanting Dan James to come on. I thought he would have been great. But I mean, after about 55 minutes, it seemed to me that Willian was completely shattered. And I'm really surprised he didn't come on sooner. I mean, and I thought Pereira had a quite a meh game I mean he was just he runs his ass off and he was brilliant for it and you know this season for doing what he does but this one it was just a lot of chasing shadows wouldn't you agree Morg? I think with uh, William and Pereira again I think both their first halves were decent uh, William possibly more so mm. but again I think everyone was flat in the second half I think you're right William should have come off earlier uh, I think yeah Dan James would have been a, a good replacement for him I think he's trying to give Mana Solomon more minutes, but I think at the same time, Will, uh, James is kind of ideal to be running at that sort of slightly slower 
backline. But, yeah. you know, it is what it is. But I kind of... When you've got someone like Pereira, who is very much a... I mean, he, he works incredibly hard, but he is what you'd call a flair player, I guess. He was just being, um, you know, drowned out by that uh, Spurs, you know, defensive midfield, centre-backs, whoever, you know, mm. all of them. Uh, but all the team were. You know, it's uh, you could have changed everyone. And I think they would have been the same sort of tactic Conte employed in that second half. Well, it, let's let's just say then, like it's it's more to do with what Spurs did for a second. Let's say Spurs actually, it, it, you know, they got the goal early on uh, before the half, and then it played right into a Conte system hands. You just you know suck all the pressure up and wait for a counter attack, and you know they almost scored again. That was a fantastic, and I mean one of the best saves I've seen from Burnt Leno this season against Harry Kane. So that was really good, um, and we were very lucky to keep that at one nil. But I, I will say, this is the thing. Late substitutions is now becoming a bit of a concern amongst our fan base. And you've got, you know, the last game at Newcastle, we had quite late subs. In this one, you obviously had your classic Kenny coming on for uh, Harrison Reed around the 65th minute. I can't remember exactly. Maybe 55th, actually. I'm not too sure. 65th. But you look at 65th, yeah. thank yeah. you. But then you also have the other substitutions which come in the 80th minute and a double in the 87th. And I just think it, it, this is something we could maybe get a little bit better at, maybe, Boldo. I mean, this is something where we should really. I know just to bring on the substitutions that late for me is just not really enough to try and at least claw a point back. I don't know. Would, yeah, you, have brought, would you have done it earlier yourself? Yeah, I, I would have made. I would have made. Um, I would have made you know, decisions and changes earlier. But I think Parvin might still be. The Marcus Silva is still in the element of you know we are still a very good side. You know we've got this far. So this side that got us this far can still get us out. Of the, can still get us out of, out of problems when we need to. It's not okay. Again, if we were three 0 down or if we're losing constantly, then he might think this isn't working. Then we need to. Mm. Um, then we need to change this up. But it is still a, it is still a good side. Just probably just needs that one spark of you know, that one spark. I think that's why he just brought on Tom Kenny. Right. Let's see if we can ride this out just a little bit longer. Um, obviously, on the day last night, rather it didn't quite work. But again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crucify Marco Silva for for something like this. I don't want to say he's still learning or he's still adapting because you know he's been in the Premier League before and this is a this is effectively his side, so it's not like he's got anything. It's not anything to get used to, but I do still think that there is an element of right. We've got this far. How do we do it? Do I stick with what I've got? Do I make changes? And he's still just in that early stage of that just yet, or so far rather. Mm. I mean. I was really surprised that Harry Wilson came on. I think when you when you're trying to get a game back, I, I just I do not understand why Dan James wasn't picked in terms of like his contribution to this these season thus far. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to be romantic about last season what Harry Wilson did, but if you were just to draw a blank canvas of this season from this season alone, you would say that Dan James is probably a better option to bring on than Harry Wilson. I'm just confused by. It. I thought Vinicius looked bright when he came on. Um, Mitrovic had a bit of a scare. Uh, I just like to know, Morgs, if you worry again. I, I was a bit annoyed because he had his head in his hands, was lying on the floor, clearly in a lot of pain, same ankle, uh, goes off limping, and he's allowed to come back on. And I just feel like sometimes someone needs to say to this guy, "You, you are done for the day, mate." Would you like to say that to him? No, no, there you go. No, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's just. But, I, 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 get, I get, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. He's. Uh... But yeah, that's he's one of these players that wants to score and he hadn't scored and he hadn't had a shot on target and he need, he wanted to be out there 
And you're right, though. I mean, when it's the same Bloody injury, though. I don't want it to keep risking it, you no, know. No, I know. And it's what he's got now. Well, he's not going to play against Sunderland, is he? So it's kind of... No. He's got a good... Uh, when do we play Chelsea? Ten days' time. And yep. I think that's... You know, he'll be aiming for that. He might not train for a few days. Hopefully it's nothing, uh, you know, re-aggravating. And it was just a bit of a sore one because he got kicked quite hard. But, yeah, you're right. He does sometimes need to just come off. But I get it from his point of view. He wants to be on the pitch. He wants to be getting that equaliser. But if he's not, you know, fit, if he's injured, he's not going to be doing that because the Spurs defenders will just, you know, wrap him up. Mm. I, I just think, I think there is so so I think there is an element because of the Sunderland game on the weekend that he knows he was gonna get he you know everyone knows he's not there was a good chance he probably wasn't gonna play anyway. This knock probably rules him out, but if he's still good to go, if he's not, you know, like broken out, if he's not broken then he can still cause a nuisance in the box, you know, not quite Ian Pierce against Portsmouth back in 2007 but whilst he's on the pitch he can still cause a threat he might not be at 100% but if the ball's there in the box he can still get there so let's just fight on this little bit we'll mm. we'll try and fight for this point you're not going to play on Saturday let's just keep you on just this little bit longer try and get us a point that could prove crucial in the end um, at the end of the season and then we'll give you the we'll give you Saturday off and just recover and do all your stuff then so I think that was probably it so if he's just a knock rather than injured He's still good to go, so you keep him on. Mm. Not, that, not, not that I'm saying I probably would have taken him off earlier, but I can understand if that's the reason why, in Marco's thinking, then I can understand it. Well, what, either way, I would have liked to have seen Vinicius come on a bit earlier. I think for, for his role that he played against Chelsea and obviously how he's developing, I think he deserved a few more minutes. But like you guys have said, I think he'll definitely make an appearance at Sunderland. Um, Manor Solomon. Morgs, is this now the time to actually start him, would you say? This seems to be the consensus among our fans now. Oh, against Sunderland, hundred percent. Sunderland, clearly... but I mean, even in the Premier League, or no, would you keep? It's not there? really. I mean, we're making that judgment based on the players that we're playing at the moment. Whereas I think okay. uh, Bobby Reed, William have done particularly well on the flanks. I wasn't don't... that great today, though. Yesterday, sorry. Which one? Bobby Reed. Oh, I thought he was okay, but yeah, I mean, some of his crossing was a little bit, um, you know, lightweight for one of a better mm. term. Uh, I think his just general play is good. I think he works well with Tete. I think he links up well with Reed, Polina in the middle and stuff, and, um, and Pereira. But I wouldn't, you know, I think Solomon's got to earn his place. I think he's got to put in a good showing against Sunderland. I think saying that he needs to start based on five minutes here, ten minutes hit there is a little bit of a maybe gut reaction based on the fact that everyone thinks he's the you know the next big thing because they've yeah. seen a few youtube highlights now well, and, so, and and some bits you know he looked very bright when he came on he, he probably yeah, yeah, no, no, i'm not saying he didn't look bright but i mean that's that's in the last few minutes where obviously he's raring to go his seasons you know his re, his season his season's being curtailed well no it's like a false start of a season and clearly yeah. he wants to play football and he's a very you know he must be a very talented player but I haven't seen him play a full game yet. Uh, you know, if you saw him play against Real Madrid in the Champions League and you thought he was the nuts, great. Doesn't mean that he performs week in, week out. Fair it's, enough. I want to see how he does in this game on Saturday and see, you know, that he is fit. That, you know, if he's got 60 minutes in him, great. 
if he's got 70, 80, if he's got a full match in him and he is performing uh, as he's shown in these little spits and spurts, then that's absolutely brilliant. We've got obviously a, a massive player in our hands. But right now, I mean, yeah, I think we want to be in a position where we're freshening up the, the winging, wing positions. William yeah. William was never going to start every game. Bobby Reed isn't there to start every game. Uh, you know, Harry Wilson's there to be rotated in. Dan James, hopefully, maybe, or maybe he might go back to Leeds. Who knows? But mm. you know, Manor Solomon is another option, and I hope we have got the player that everyone thinks he is. Because if we do, then fantastic, and he should be starting. But yeah. he needs to uh, get this game against Sunderland under his belt, and I think ninety percent. He'll start that game, and Chelsea away. I mean, that's a different kettle of fish altogether. So wow. hopefully, you know, the Forest game that could be a good one for him. But let's let's see how the next few days play out and see you well know, what we get from that. Yeah, I mean, he looks exciting. I mean, like you say, I think he well he was actually keeping out a spot for Mudrick, I believe, for Shakhtar, who is the 80 million man that Chelsea just hijacked off Arsenal. So exciting times, potentially, to see him uh, start games against Sunderland and hopefully in the Premier League. But you mentioned Bobby Reid and you mentioned his link-up play with Tete and how that's nice. Um, I'll tell you who also likes to link up with Tete. Nearly every fucking player in the Premier League at the moment wants to kill him, it seems. <laughs> so, like, I mean, the referee, right? I mean, I felt this referee was quite poor uh, in general. Felt slightly in favour of Spurs but I mean that's always it always feels like that when we play facing top teams I'm sure I'm probably being biased but I just want to discuss the ridiculous like sun challenge and and, and you know there were it was all a bit of a car crash to referees I'm pretty sure there's a theory that actually VAR was out this game and that's why the microphone problems kept happening at the first 15 the first 10 minutes of the start of each half because like, just there, there was absolutely no attempt to, to even look back on that I mean I think there was a there, there was a brief mention of it on Skype they said oh yeah they've checked it for four seconds it's nothing I don't think it was even on because that is without a doubt a red card all day long to me wouldn't you say Baldur? Uh I'm not Totally convinced that it was that it would be red. I think. Oh, I disagree. I massively disagree. No, 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 no. No, let 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 him let him talk shit for a second, and then we'll come back to me. <laughs> and I think um, a, a good source of this is Dale Johnson, who I think I put in the uh, WhatsApp chat today. He's usually quite good on stuff like VR, and he sort of gave and sort of reviewing challenges. And it was a point of Suns very much looked accidental, and he compared it to Kenny Tete. No, not Kenny Tete. Uh, Nathaniel Chalibur's challenge, Chalibur's early uh, tackle in the season against Newcastle. Okay. Chalibur's definitely looked reckless, whereas Suns looked a bit just slightly mistimed and got the thing. I think it is also a case of again, had it gone to VAR, if it was VAR, uh, we actually had a power cut over here, so we in that sort of thirty seconds afterwards. So I don't know what exactly happened but if it had gone to VAR would it have been enough to overturn it and say no that's a red card from what I've seen in the brief highlights and everything after I'm not so sure if he, the referee had given a red card I think he probably stays with a red card I think it's one of those whatever decision was there on the field you probably stick with what it was and in this case again it just looked slightly mistimed rather than reckless and out of control so that's why I say the fact that he wasn't given a wasn't given a card and then the referee stuck with that, or VAR's gave stuck with that. I say probably the right decision in the end. Uh, eight, nine out of ten times, that is a red card in this day and age. Referee sees it, gives a yellow card because he's not sure where he's caught him or whatever. VAR sees it, looks at it, 
cheers mate son's crying off he goes we carry on with the game <laughs> and yeah. that's it is a red card because it's a studs out challenge if your VAR is always slowing things down and they say things look worse in slow motion if you slow that down and we saw the slow-mo over and over again you can see Sun is looking at Tete's leg and when he's doing that and his studs are out and it's going above his ankle by surely by the laws of the game that we've now been indoctrinated with that uh, he's got to go the fact he uh, was kept as a yellow card after what four or five seconds of looking at it I mean no I'm sorry but the tinfoil hat brigade might be right with this one if you know he's just saying oh yeah the VAR because there were no decisions uh, yeah, there wasn't you know there was nothing else for VAR to do that day really there was none uh, there was no I mean the Polina challenge I mean we could talk about that I mean Let's say well, he's Jao's. a lucky boy as well. Right, he's exactly, very, he I, I thought he could have le- easily got a red card this game. Although I don't think he was shackled with a yellow. But the thing is, I don't think you know his ch- uh, his challenge wasn't a red card inducing uh, challenge. It was just you could tell that he was you know a little bit all over the place with his um, some of his tackles uh, as he is usually. Sure. But I think the Sun one, it's it is just one of those. You referee books him fair enough, but then VAR looks at him and go, hang on a minute studs are out above the ankle off you go lad it's just funny I don't know who's going to try and kill Kenny Tetty next week it's a bit south by oh my god they killed kill Kenny you bastard it's just going to be like that every time it's going to be the running theme but I, I think um, the thing is everyone was falling over this game if not by injury or fake injury or by accident I mean I think Kenny slipped over a few times um, there were just there were, there were a few sort of just there were just some moments where we just weren't really at our best. I remember Mitrovic making a really nice cross and no one was running to meet it to try and equalise. Just We weren't really in sync. But I'm going on to actually the head injuries or the lack of the fake head injuries. Tottenham were wasting time, man. Like, so, so often in this game. And I just want to go back to a point you made before, Morgan, of just... They're not very nice to watch, are they? And I would be sick of watching that if they if I were them at the moment. I don't know how much longer they're going to keep up that. I mean, yeah, we'll I see. mean, my, my Spurs supporting mates—they're uh, just like I oh, know this is this is fucking awful. It really is. You it's know, grim. It's, so it is. It is so bland. It is it is the beige pasta diet of football? It felt like a championship and, game last night. I'm not even joking. It felt really, really just muddy. Yeah, except and we like, didn't score five goals. Well, that's the thing, yeah. All yeah. seven. Never mind. It's, it's, it wasn't a championship game at all. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was. It was just. It was just one of those really shitty games. And I, th- I think when Conte goes at the end of the season, like it sounds like he will be, they need to get someone in who is a little bit more inspiring. Because in fairness to Spurs, you know, over the last few years they've played some good football. They've been a good attacking side. They've achieved more than a lot of the um, Spurs teams over the last two, three decades have done. And yeah. you can't have that kind of crappy football being played. And it also brings down the quality of the Premier League as well. Because they will shit house results out. They're not going to finish below the top six or seven. They're just going to play really boring football and cause teams like us to have to sort of, you know, throw, you know, throw everything at it but not being able to break it down. And it's not great for, you know, people watching it either. So yeah. I mean, he needs to go back to Italy, play some nice turgid Scott Parker football and uh, come back when he's uh, learned how to play attacking football. I was just remembering actually another incident happened. There was a real high, bo- high boot on uh, Bobby Reid, which should have been 
I mean, a free kicker to us at some point or something. That well, it was, was a free kick, though, wasn't it? No, but it's just that was that was a fucking nasty little bit of challenge. In there. I, I've got to say, I think I'm going to a new topic now. Bulldog, I thought Diop had a very good game. I thought Diop was brilliant. I think he's actually been brilliant for the last few games now. It's quite convenient when uh, Fabio Romanzo, whatever the hell his name is, just comes out and says Tosin's open to leaving. It won't be in January. That's just his agent stirring shit up, I think. But this, I think Diop was very good. Apparently, Robinson was named man of the match by Fulham. I think Robinson has been good for ages. I think, actually, to be honest, we're very likely... Everyone thinks Paulinho's going to go. I think we've got more kudos to hang on to him for another season because of his contract. I think Robinson looks ready to go to a, a late summer like Man C. I'm not even exaggerating. He just looks absolutely brilliant every time he even goes forward at the moment. Um, but anyway, the question was you, Baldo, and just your thoughts on Diop and if you had a personal favourite in this game of who played the best despite the defeat. Yeah, you say Robinson. I wouldn't be surprised if AC Milan are back on the phone with him again. Well, apparently they were. Apparently they were, but I think that ship sailed now. <laughs> nah, well, but yeah, I think, yeah, I, I can't remember. I think it was during the World Cup I said Robinson, we're going to get a lot of money for him in the summer, um, which, you know, which is probably good, but yeah, but Diop, um, yeah, I think it's pretty good. You know, there was, I would, I would say there was a lot of, I was certainly hesitant when he came over from West Ham because it was a case of, is he really like, is he really the best option that we have at this moment or the best option that we should be looking for? Wasn't really too certain, but he has really come on in, you know, in leaps and bounds. I did also think that, you know, there was going to be a Tosin and Diop partnership, but he seems to be forming something incredibly well with Tim Ream at the back there, and you know. I say, I say, long may I continue in terms of man of the match. I don't, I don't know. It's always hard to pick one out from a from a defeat. I wasn't too impressed with Robinson. Okay. Just on on the whole, um, I don't know. Let's let's say Bird Leno just for keeping the score down. I, I said there was it was there wasn't anyone that really stood out, um, sort of on a whole or kept on or kept giving moments. So I think probably Bird Leno just for that just for that big save. Just to well, keep, you know, who knows? Goal difference might become very crucial at the end of the season. So that one might say might be important. Well, maybe we can say the man of the match was Roy Hodgson because that forever Fulham moment at halftime was lovely, wasn't it, Morgs? Uh, it was just such a nice thing to see, and I thought he just. You could hear a pin drop, actually. You couldn't hear a pin drop when he was speaking. It's the first time in ages I've heard the, ham- the hammy end and just generally the whole of Craven Cottage when someone's collecting all the words, just listening to everything he was saying. I think Wiggo was having trouble because actually the speaker was a really shit where he was standing. So like, he actually <laughs> couldn't hear what Roy Hodgson was saying. But uh, I mean, what what a lovely moment that was. And he did a lap of honour at the end. Just what a guy. Like, I, I, yeah, of, I think Fulham's he... Dumbledore, I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't bring Harry Potter into it. We're, we're oh, grown men. I'm not really. No, I think someone like, you know, Roy Hodgson, he's, he's a legend. He deserves everything he gets at Fulham. Um, he, you know, he's, he wasn't there long enough to turn himself a statue, but I think he certainly deserves one of these, uh, you know, these forever Fulham awards. And, you know, I think he could have a bar named after him in the new stand. I think that'd be nice. Yeah, um, no, I like that. But uh, he's uh, it's about time he was recognised. Uh, I mean, he always gets a warm reception. He always will get a warm reception. So, yeah, I think he's uh, certainly deserves to be respected, listened to, and hopefully we go can, uh, you know, re-listen to the speech on something more... Uh, working no, speakers he'll get, he'll get over it he'll be fine he'll he'll even write in the group tomorrow he's like I see I've been mentioned on the pod again when I'm not on it I am absolutely on fire at the moment yeah no but so was uh, so was AK47 you know it was never really in a particularly good light 
Oh man, I miss him so much. Anyway, so the, th- <laughs> the thoughts. I'd like to go by you on this, Baldo. This is like a slightly negative potential thing to say, um, so I'll keep it brief. But um, it, it, our run at the moment, it, like, so that's two defeats in a row. If we lose to Chelsea, which, which could happen because they've got a very good, good amount of signings coming through. Like, this looks like an absolute army they've got now in terms of the amount they've made. But are we on the verge of maybe a slight? wobble our first wobble of the season if we lose against Chelsea do you think uh, that would be three defeats in a row and we've never really experienced uh, three defeats in a row under Marcus Silva yet have we I, I'm, I'm just sort of making stats up now <laughs> but I don't, I'm not too sure if we have but I'd just like to know what your your feelings are if uh, if you can see something like that occurring Baldo. no because I still think we are still whilst we have been doing very well this season I again me personally still think we are in the well in the realm of punching above our weight so a, you know, result and you know we have we performed very well against side you know like Man City, Man United, and everything. But on the whole, I still coming into it expecting you know to lose these to lose these sort of games. And then so if we do lose, I'm not going to be too disappointed again. Um, and as you said, they've got yeah, they've got they're going to have some. You know, we play them after the January transfer window, so they may bring in even more signings to uh, to make them even better. Mm. Um, so a loss to Chelsea, even though we did turn them over, you know, a couple of weeks ago, at their place, still not disappointing in my eyes. But when you say in terms of a wobble, you look at the fixtures we've got after that. It's Nottingham Forest at home, Brighton away, Wolves are, uh, Brighton away, Wolves at home, Hazlo Town away. That's mm-hmm. four games that we should be looking at winning. So I think that's more going to be in the wobble stage, as it were, if we start to lose those games. I'm not like, as I said earlier, I'm not going to judge the season based on losses to what is still traditionally the big six, you know, the big six sides and Newcastle and everything like that. I'm not, even though even though they aren't really performing, they do still have the ability to turn up on the day. So I'm not going to I'm not going to be too disappointed if we lost to that. It is when we you know, if we lose to Forest and then lose to Brighton, that I might say is a wobble. Other than that, no, I think we'll be good. So I'm probably just one of these classic examples of fans at the moment, Morgs, who are forgetting what the objective is and getting a very famous phrase at the moment that a lot of people are saying is like, you know, that's show that shows how far we've come. You know, that shows how well we're doing, that we're dreaming of Europe, which I'm not really. And like, yeah, don't you know, worry about that. Yeah, I'm not really dreaming of that. But I mean, it would. I am. I am daring of a top ten finish of this. I am. Top ten finish um, is perfectly, uh, you know, realistic. But we do need to make sure that we don't have too many of these little runs before the end of the season. I mean, this is you, losing to Chelsea away is by no means, uh, you know, a disaster. I think the fact that we beat them uh, before the Newcastle game was just brilliant. You know, we could well be on the back of uh, three losses in a row right now, heading into a fourth loss in a row. And in, you know, past seasons, we would have been. But... I think we just we need to accept and we have accepted over the years over the last two decades of playing in the Premier League that you do go on these little runs of uh, defeat after defeat and that's fine because there is still a big gap between us and the relegation places until we have those magic 40 points we are still you know targeting safety even though obviously the aims are slightly higher in a lot of people's eyes we just need to make sure we get over that line make sure we're comfortable and then enjoy the last you know third of the season I mean we're only just over halfway now and so when we get into you know the last 10 games we've got 30 points 
to aim for, we could, you know, go on another little run of maybe four games, four mm. wins in a row, and cement our place in the top ten. If we get a top eight finish, great. Uh, I'm not sure we can actually qualify for the Conference League via the league or not, but let's not worry about Europe. We're certainly not going to win it from the Fair Play League, so well, I don't think they do that anymore, do they? Uh, no. it's a shame uh, but let's we'll cement our place in this league for another season and I think that's great I think that's all we've got to worry about at the moment up to this point the team have just done so well and they've as we all know they've outperformed expectations there have been individual performances as well as the team performance that have just been exceptional and I think even if we lost you know, another few games and we were 13th I wouldn't even panic then. It's just a we just keep going, playing what we do, uh, playing in the way that we do, and we'll we'll be fine. And it's you know, hopefully we can get another one or two uh, so-called shock results before the end of the season. But uh, who knows? I was thinking about just to put some positivity back into this of how if this season, if we continue on this trajectory of points and we finish the season top half 12th and, you know, obviously just survival is the aim. I, I think this should be known as, you know, a team of redeemers and, and our, as Fulham as a club included for redeeming ourselves of having that ridiculous yo-yo status, which isn't even true when you take into terms how long we've been in the Premier League for Marcus Silva redeeming himself after the criticism he got from you know all the, uh, Everton fans uh, Mitrovic for redeeming himself for showing that he actually can do it in the Premier League Willian for proving Arsenal fans and age is not is only a number uh, so many Tom Kearney coming back to life Tim Ream coming back to life Diop proving West Ham fans wrong Burnt Leno proving Arsenal fans I mean it's just an absolute team of absolute redemption and so hopefully we can be known as that I'm going to start a little I mean that's uh, I mean that's <laughs> That's, I mean, that's one of the more wanky ways of referring the to redeemers. it. The redeemers. <laughs> I get your point. I mean, that, that's it's kind of like it, when you Pereira. look at each uh, look, yeah, when you look at each individual player. I mean, that's kind of they've all proved their doubt is wrong. Although Leno, I don't think many Arsenal fans doubted him. I just think he sort of like they wanted Ramsdale place. a bit more, and that's it. But, yeah, they did like him a they lot of the time. Like they wanted Leno more, but I think Ramsdale's you know mm. he's all right. But yeah, you're right. There are a lot of players there who have come back from less than positive uh, feedback in their time in the Premier League yeah it's great so we've got obviously the transfer window coming out it's um, by the time this comes out it'll actually be less than a week until it closes Uh, Baldo and and Morgs I'm I'm not going to pretend that we actually know anything about fucking Joshua Brennett and and Van Uwick these are alternative right backs we're looking at the moment potentially uh, because of Cedric Suarez being a bit too wage heavy for us and not negotiating down from Arsenal Um, you know Cedric Suarez is 31 years old and he will I mean, we do need a right back to cover for Tete because Tete can get broken and he probably will, seeing as everyone wants to kill him. But also, just generally, you know, we know when Babu's heading off. Is there. Do you think there's a world where we actually get more than just a right back and a defensive midfielder, Baldo? Because I do look at the work rate that Andreas Pereira is doing, and I sometimes think if we need another attacking midfielder, I think there's a rumour that Luke Harris is actually going off on loan. Actually, it's not a rumour. Marcus Silva said that. Um, So the way he runs about so much, I just feel like he has got potential to have a bit of an injury and he was playing Brazilian football during the summer as well I just if you think there's more to it than just a right back and a central midfielder in a transfer window for us potentially 
Tell you what, stick a cheeky ten million in for Fabio Carvalho. Why not? He's not. Getting, he's not getting used. He's not getting used there. Um, yeah, I think that's probably going to be. It is going to sound cliche. Like you look at look at what else we have. We don't need wingers. We haven't. We have enough of them. You know, people say if we need to bring in another loan, it's Dan James is probably the one that's going to go. You know, centre back we're probably fine with. Left back we've got Robinson unless he goes out somewhere. Unless you no, know, unless we get sold, he gets sold in this window. I think we're fine there because. Um, the other one whose name I can't Kazawa, he's still staying. Yeah, Kazawa, yeah, Kazawa, he's staying, and has looked okay, nothing disastrous. Yeah, it is. Again, it is going to be the obvious ones, but it's right back, it's, uh, defensive midfielder, and attacking midfielder. As you say, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about any of the targets. What I would say is, I wouldn't mind seeing. You mentioned Luke Harris there. I wonder, is there are there any of the academy players that you know, can be that can be brought up to be used? Because you know, Marco Silva has shown he's not scared. He's not scared to use them when when he can. You know, the Crawley Town disaster aside, but he's not he's not scared to give them a go. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we go through this without any signings and he promotes, especially because again goes back to what we talk about in terms of aims of the season. If it gets to you know February and we're still on thirty one points, but that's good enough for you know to be ninth or tenth, say, and we're not in the European race, not in the relegation battle. Then I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to start looking to the future and start bringing in some of the youngsters. You know, Luke Harris not an option, but some of the other ones. Mm. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we don't get any of the targets through, but we see an intake of we get an intake of youth players uh, coming up onto the bench and get them some experience. I, th- I think there's one of those things though. You don't bring the youth players in unless you're a hundred percent sure they're ready. Agreed. And also, if you're thinking of just starting to blood in then it's more of a thing do it in the last five games of the season not when you're you know still however many 16 17 games left of it and you're thinking well we could actually make a push for the top 10 here so I think it's unlikely we'll start seeing him bringing in a few of the uh, you know the ones that you know obviously Luke Harris going on loan would be best for him go and get some hopefully championship football may uh, you know any other league I'm not quite sure it's sort of worth it. Um, the I'm trying to think who else has been on the bench, really, like on in the, the in the Premier League as opposed to League Cup or. I think Premier Jasper Cup. had a brief one at one point. I yeah, could no, be but making he's, that up. But he's one it. of those that he's going. He's he's leaving as soon as his contract's up. Yeah, and look, we're not. We are definitely he's getting not. players this window. 100. percent We've been linked with defensive midfield, like defensive midfielders and central midfielders, and I mean, I think we've just been linked to a striker on some sort of dodgy Twitter page Look, I mean, you know, Jay something's going to happen what have I told you about looking at these sorry, dodgy things sorry yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not it's not confirmed until Tony Khan takes credit for it alright I'm turning off I'm turning off <laughs> <laughs> even that Italian bloke uh, was it Ray Romano Fabrizio Romano Ray Romano <laughs> Fabrizio Romano I said it wrong yeah, yeah. he's oh, uh, you know he's, he th- he's got such a oh he thinks so highly of himself that he's even got his own catchphrase uh, it's like he thinks he's a superhero and it's just like uh, shut up just let clubs announce it Don't well look we've, so we've, mighty. we've successfully shown to the world that we know nothing about what's going to happen in the transfer window just what we would like to maybe or expect to see that's absolutely fine let's just move on because to be honest there's nothing concrete it's just been a really boring Cedric, Cedric Suarez fest for about uh, like even before the transfer window opens, so and nothing much as concrete has happened since. So we'll we'll probably update people on that uh, as we go. 
Not that they need updating people. People look for themselves. They don't tune into this podcast to find out what's going on with Philip. <laughs> like, are you? Are you? Are you? Are you suggesting that we host that? a? Uh, <laughs> are you suggesting that we host a live podcast uh, on transfer yeah. uh, transfer eve deadline day? Yeah, like a YouTube uh, just in case people a... people aren't uh, watching Twitter or every other uh, account. Yeah, no, I mean, like, what kind no, of e- what kind of ego would need to do that? No, no one cares. No one cares enough. It's fine. I'm, we're grateful for all the listeners we have, but it's just like we gotta <laughs> we gotta know our limits, man. All right, so let, let's let's move on. We'll just quickly finish off with Sunderland on the horizon. Um, we, we've mentioned what we expect to see, Bordeaux. I mean, do, do you expect it's just a bit to be a kind of like a Vinicius up front with a Solomon start? How serious would you plan on us taking this? Because it is a you know, it's it could. It's good to get a cup run. It is. I think I said the day or the minute after the draw was announced, I think I said just put it in the same side that played Hull. I, you know, I'd have to check on who's been injured or if anyone's picked up or if there was any sort of weird suspensions or anything picked up. But if you put the same team out that played against Hull in the, in that game, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked and I would be pretty happy with it. Take that back. I think Harrison Reed played. I think you probably want to have not Harrison Reed in that position but for the most part you know 10 or 11 of the players aside against Hull you just put you just put the same team in and it should really be with a bit of luck the same you know whilst Underlaw are a very good side and have done very well this season it should just be the same job of right get the fringe players some minutes get the main players their rest win the game easily and then move you know move on to the next one I I'm feeling confident about the Sun. I'm feeling conf- very confident about the Sunday game, as you can probably tell. Even though, as I said, they are doing very well, but yeah. I think this will be a good chance to get, as you say, Manuel Solomon. I'm ho- I'm hoping, and I don't want to say expecting, but hoping for 90 minutes from him. Okay. Um, as 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 just one as just one example, that probably be the one change from the whole side. I think I he came off the bench that day. Yeah, and I imagine we'll see Rodak back. Morgs, what are your thoughts on the Josh Madger derby, mate? Uh, anything you see on the horizon for this? Uh, anything? <laughs> as long as we don't suddenly sign Josh Madger and start him. Uh, no, I mean, they've, they've got a good striker, though. Ross Stewart in the championships. I think he's been injured for a while and he's come back. Uh, okay. Some fans quite excited. They've also got that... Um, uh, the, uh, you know, the British, the English Messi playing for them now. Oh, Patty Roberts. Oh yeah, I forgot he's yeah, still there. Yeah, he's he's okay. well, no, he's he's signed for them now, and he's uh, I think he's doing actually all right for them. So it's he's the Pan Robert derby cl- then. We'll call it that instead. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think they've got they've got Tony Mowbray managing them now. He's always been a sort of yeah. decent manager at that level. They'll put up a good te- uh, they'll put up a yeah they'll put a, a good fight against us. I certainly wouldn't be taking it lightly. I think if we put out a completely second string, then we lose it. Um, sure. But I think you know. It's a game for Rodak. It's you know, if Tete's fit, I play him. I play Kazawa at left back. Uh, in defence, probably give Reem a rest and go with uh, Deal Pentosin. Uh, mm-hmm. But I reckon I reckon Reem might play. I think he's probably if he's up for it and feeling fit, then he will play. Um, I don't think we'll see any youth players put it that way in this team. But it will okay. be it'll be Vinicius up front. It'll be Solomon and Maybe Wilson. Oh yeah, Wilson on the mm. right, uh, and then you know I think Kearney will play instead of instead of Reed. Maybe I think Chalobah deserves a go. To be honest, I know everyone. I hates don't him, think he does. I, I, I just okay. think he's. I just think he's <laughs> awful. Um, okay, that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I don't know who else we got there though. Really, I mean, who have we got in that? 
position who might rotate out. We well, I mean, Kearney. I remember he's off and he's not going to play. No, so... he's gone because he wants to loan him out as well. That's so, right. Yeah, I mean, it might bring someone like Pajitsi in or something like that if we're talking about youth players. See, I wanted to mention him earlier, but I was worried I was going to murder his name. Is that actually how you say it, Pajitsi? No, no, I've murdered his name. Okay, fine. We both. Yeah, but you, name, right? you know who I mean, though, right? Yeah, I know who you mean because yeah. he's doing very well for the uh, the academy in the under yeah. 18s. And he, or he, he played a couple of league cup games and stuff like that in the past. Um, yeah. I'd like I, I, I don't think I look. I don't think um, Silver's going to rotate it that much, though. I think we might just. I think Polina might get a bit of a rest. Um, okay. But I think you know Reed and Kearney in the middle might not be a bad shout. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I think. We want to we want to advance this tournament now. I think we only have to look at the teams that are left in it, the teams that have been knocked out, to That's go. Right. Well, actually, let's not let's not fuck about with this. Let's actually give it a good go. And you're going to this game, right? You're going to be in the Riverside. Me? I can't make it. I've got my daughter, um. and she. Um, yeah, just, that's just not I'm not doing that yet. No, fair enough, mate. That's absolutely fair enough. I'm going to try and get a ticket, but I, I actually am quite busy that I day. I think so. you'll be. I think you'll be very. Uh, you'll be very easy to get a ticket for this one. Mm. You said it's quite yeah. a lot of tickets left for Brighton. I think that's going to go up to the membership. Series. Brighton. Now that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's going to be, be really a good, good day out. I think everyone. Uh, everyone needs to get the tickets for that because uh, so, Brighton's good day out anyway, generally. Yeah. Paula's looking at us just like stuck in America looking very lost for words of how he's going to miss out landed, I actually landed in London on Saturday morning oh but, yeah. <laughs> before the Brighton game now that I've got the fiance with me and as much as she's I've tried to convince her to come to a Fulham game the day that we land when she's completely jet lagged I think it's going to be a little bit too far for me even though it's the perfect game it's going to be you know a general sale sort of ticket it's easy to get a ticket these days Plus, I think, I think watching an FA Cup game against Sunderland when you're jet lagged is probably the best way of doing it to be honest yeah, in fairness, she's um, she's more infatuated with Wrexham anyway because of the whole because of the whole documentary. So I've given up I've given up fight of uh, that losing battle to try to get her to be a Fulham fan. But the lead, the little she takes <laughs> in, she takes interest in. Well, you haven't got so, married yet. You can just annul it, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be the easy way. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Sensible, cheaper. <laughs> well, um, before we end this and wrap this all up, I would. We usually do a little prediction of obviously the relegation, who we think is going down, who we think the top four is. I, I wanted to sort of split the difference and actually ask Bordeaux who you think is going to be in the top ten from maybe sixth place to tenth. I mean, because it's quite a race at the moment, and I tried doing this with the others last week, and I can't remember what the answers were, so I'm just keeping keeping it fresh and asking different people. Um, do you have any sort of slight predictions where you think Brighton, Fulham, Brentford, Chelsea, Liverpool? Uh, uh, might like in the coming month or two. Like, do you have any? So, so, we're going, so, so sick down. So we're assuming what top four: Arsenal, City, Newcastle, Man U are as they are. Yeah, and maybe Tottenham, just, Tottenham fifth. You say given or well in that or in whatever order, but top five is top five in whatever. Yeah, I'd say Spurs okay. fifth. Yeah, go on. Okay, sixth to tenth. Let's, who's there at the moment? Just look at the table: Brighton, yeah, Fulham, Liverpool, Chelsea. Um. Honestly, I think it's probably going to be that. I I can't see Crystal really? Palace. I can't Aston Villa. But not in that specific order, right? Or yeah, no, 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 not yeah, that yeah. specific order. No, I think Liverpool and Chelsea will sort themselves out eventually. I think, you know, as I've hinted before, there's just too much good quality in there for them to not be. Then you know what? I'll go out. I'll go out on a limb. Just looking now, I reckon Hounslow Town. I reckon at some <laughs> point the Ivan Tony suspension is going to kick in this season, and that will dry the goals up. They'll drop down. Aston Villa take a place in the top ten. Brentford drop out. I'll go with that. 
Okay, that's interesting. Amogs, you got anything different there, mate? I'm, I'm not actually going to say Liverpool are going to overtake Spurs. I'm looking at the table, and Liverpool have two games in hand on Spurs, and they're only seven points behind. So even though they haven't been particularly good, I think they'll crack on, whereas I think Spurs probably won't go on a massive winning run. So I think Liverpool will take fifth place. I think uh, Brighton, Chelsea... I th- I agree Villa will come into the top 10. They'll be doing sort of... Uh, playing pretty well and then I think it's going to be between us and Brentford for that uh, for that top 10 place okay well it'd be nice be nice not to hear Brentford I don't think there's going to be a huge amount I don't think looking at Palace I mean they're four points behind Villa on the same amount of games Forest 11 points behind and then everything else is just the relegation fight I think you know what I think Forest um Actually, Forrest, to be fair, is still in there, but Bournemouth have dropped into the relegation zone. And I was at that Brentford-Bournemouth game. Oh, you were? Uh, you were undercover? I was. I was uh, yeah, I was undercover. And I have to say, although Brentford weren't great, Bournemouth were fucking shocking. I yeah. mean, it was awful. <laughs> and it was like, I just looked at it and I was offended. I mean, I was about <laughs> I was about seven pints deep by that point, but I was actually <laughs> offended by their football. Uh, so I hope they go down. Uh, I mean, God no. I mean, Southampton probably going to go down because they've got the um, the poison dwarf in charge, haven't they? And Everton are just an absolute shambles of a club. Uh, so yeah, I think that those bottom three. I mean, unless uh, Everton bring in Big Sam and he does his Big Sam things, uh, mm. I think uh, the big three, uh, the bottom three, might stay as they are. I think maybe you're right. I think maybe you're right. It's just so nice just looking down on it. I, I just said that to the last people in the last pod, but not to feel like we're involved in it this year and just look up and talk about the top <laughs> 10 is something quite remarkable. We're we're really, if we do get, you know, stay up this season, lads, we're in very uncharted territory with the Cairns. I mean, Bordeaux shares my thoughts that we'll stay up for a good good while because the Cairns will have that extra security money with TV revenue and we can just keep on investing. But uh, it, we're in real uncharted territory if we stay up because this is... The Cairns have never had that before with us. So it'll be very interesting to see. Very yeah, interesting. It'll be inter- yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do um, mm. if it does happen. Uh, but I think it's about bloody time, to be honest. 100%. It's been a long time coming. And that's what I've been telling a lot of fans and a lot of friends as well, who, uh, you know, well, the, the, the fans aren't my friends. Uh, about, you know, <laughs> the, not. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, when they say, oh, I'm surprised about Fulham's success this season, I actually say this has actually been a long time coming with the ambition that our owners have. Um, mm. And, you know, it, it's 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 all finally coming together and redeemers, like I said. I t- so, I t- I'll tell you what, sort of one, lo- one last thing before I shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, it's. You know, we're seeing a lot of clubs really protesting against our owners at the moment. And in a way that is, you know, it has been done in the past, but it seems to be far more clubs are going at it at the moment. And it's it's a really sad thing to see. And I know that we've had our, the fans have had their differences with the Khans. They've, you know, it's only Tony Khan. Uh, some of the things that we've done in terms of ticket pricing and all that, but we do know that we've got owners that are sort of, you know, managing the club in a responsible way, or so it seems. We're not going out there spending money on stupid players anymore. I mean, you might look at a couple of our past signings and go, ridiculous, but mm. you look at how Everton have been run recently. You look at how Spurs have been run with, you know, lack of investment when they're in that sort of position. It doesn't look like the owners actually really care. It's, you know, the way it's been handled. And it's yeah. It's it's showing it it's making it's casting a really bad light 
on the football in a way that's slightly different from you know how people who over the years have gone I'm oh I'm sick of seeing all these players making so much money and sort of this that and the other it's the fact that we're the teams that these you know these fans generations of fans have loved and supported uh you know being looked at by the owners and like this doesn't really concern me I'm going to run the club in the way that I see fit and not think about anything else and in so many cases running them into the ground or just running them in a way that is really upsetting to see and yeah. I think we're actually quite lucky the way that we're being run albeit it's not perfect but I don't feel in danger as it were I don't think the club's in danger I think we see it and it seems sensible if somewhat you know questionable at times but not in the way that you're looking at sort of you know some of these teams and how they're running where they actually look like their future is going to be really difficult to you know maintain yeah I know what you mean I I feel like it's it's very nice to not feel depressed in a Premier League season um, and that's not even bringing the Saudis into it <laughs> that, exactly that. <laughs> exactly Ben uh, Bordo is there anything you'd like to add before I wrap this up mate nope all good I just think perfectly summed up by Morgan at the end there I think one of the best I'm not going to say rants, but more soliloquies, shall we say. <laughs> One of the best soliloquies I've heard on the podcast for some time. I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this pod. Thank you very much, lads. Uh, good to see you. Speaking of you, Baldo, it's been a while. We'll get you back on soon. And yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much to my co-host. Thank you very much to all you lovely people home listening. If you like what we're here, please tell your friends about us. We really appreciate appreciate your support. There are obviously lots of Fulham outlets at the moment on podcasts, social media, etc. I really appreciate the listeners we have. Thank you very much again to my co-host. And thank you ever so much to producer Don Love. We'll see you next week. Fulham.